Amen. What gift will you bring? I just want to read a scripture real to create a little bit more context. Um, you're like, this is not really a Christmas um, scripture, but I want to read it anyway. Um, this is John talking. Um, this is actually in 1 John chapter 1. Um, this is John talking, and he's talking about, I want you to feel this as a real human, talking about what he saw, what he saw. He says this, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our eyes. This is John, what John saw with his own eyes. What we observed, what we touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That what, that life was revealed, and we have seen it, and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also did declare to you so that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. So John, he's writing these things, obviously post-resurrection. He's talking about what he saw. And so I want to, my heart through this whole series is to rip the religious goggles off of this, and hopefully we're working on doing this, rip the religious goggles off of this quote-unquote story, or how about the events that happened, and so see these things as fresh eyes, as real people. Mary was a real person. And when the angel came to Mary, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, she gave God her resounding yes. Let it be to me. And all of the, all of the difficulties that that would bring, that a, 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 um, un, a uh, uh, engaged woman is now pregnant, and all of those things, she says, yes, let it happen to me. Let it happen to me. And then Joseph comes around and finds out that Mary's pregnant. That's crazy. That's scandalous. Matter of fact, so scandalous, he says, I'm going to divorce her. Amen? We don't really, that's not really, we don't really talk about that at Christmas. But I'm going to divorce her because obviously there's something going on. And so Joseph, God shows up to Joseph in a dream and speaks to Joseph and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's in her belly is conceived by the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, being a man of God and a man of faith, he trusts in the word that God gave him. So much so, now think about this. We said it last week, but I want, you to, I want us to re-remember this couple. And so much so that Joseph says, not only am I going to cover Mary's shame, I'm going to attach myself to her in her shame. Now the consequences of that are, now Joseph's family is going to be shamed because the whole community is all about, we're getting this, right? This is not just, Mary, oh, how sweet, Mary and Joseph. This is scandalous on level 10 in Nazareth. This is like, 10 weeks, um, one of, like 10 weeks Netflix series stuff, right? <laughs> and this is what's going on with these guys. But these two amazing, amazing people, if nothing else, I want you to just gain respect for this, these two people. 
God already said that Mary is going to be a renowned among all women. So, so here the apostle John is actually saying, I want you to know these, these, these things, they really happen. They really happen. Where's my Star Wars fans? Are there any Star Wars fans? Okay, cool. All right, so you're all here. All right, so I'm going to speak to them for just a second. The rest of you just hold tight. <laughs> so if you remember Han Solo, if you remember Han Solo from the movies, Han Solo started off, and the whole force thing, it's not the, just, just calm down. It's, so the whole force thing, like, remember, he was, he was like, whatever, this is a joke, right? This is all this force thing, whatever, the force, woo, the force. And then, y'all remember the, um, what's the other movie with Ray and Finn? And what was that movie, the first one? Uh, the Trash. <laughs> the Force Awakens, remember that? So there's a scene in there. I want, this is what I want you to get. There's a scene in that movie. There's a scene in that movie. Press through the, I know, I know what it is. That is what it is. Press through that part. And then remember, there's a scene where Han, he's telling them about Luke. And he's telling these Finn and Ray about Luke. And they're saying, he goes, um, and they're like going, yeah, I've heard about Luke. He's like this hero and everything and the force and all that stuff. And Han makes this statement. He says this. He goes, you know what? When I first heard about it, I don't know about all this stuff. But he said, it's true. Every bit of it is true. And what John is saying here is what I saw and what we've all heard about, it's true. Every bit of what I saw happened. That's right. Amen. It's true, right? It's true. And it all began in this little town, the small little town of Bethlehem, the house of bread as we call it, the bread of life himself, born in the city named after the house of bread. Just so happened, I think, right? Probably coincidence. And it just so happens that Joseph's family is from, Nazareth, is from Bethlehem, right? It just so happened, that's his hometown. It just so happened. And it just so happens that there's this a wild little prophecy in Micah that the Savior is going to be born in this town of Bethlehem. And it just so happens that Joseph's from there, and it just so happens that while Mary's pregnant, living in Nazareth, it just so happens that Caesar decides, hey, we're going to have a census. And we're going to make all those people go to Bethlehem. Do you know it was always a question of how in the world, for the Jewish people, how in the world... Could Jesus be called in the prophecies, called a, a Nazarite, yet be born in Bethlehem? It was always a big question. You know how? God. It just so happens that Mary's pregnant. It just so happens that Caesar decides to, and just so happened the guy she's engaged with has to go to Bethlehem. I think God is more in control that we know. This little town of Bethlehem, this little town where God himself would become, would be born, and this little tiny place. And what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is what gift will you bring, is the title of our message. 
And we talked about Mary. She brought her yes to God. And so you can bring your yes to God. And we talked about Joseph who brought his faith in God. And you can bring to your story around you faith in God to the people around you. Mary brought her unshakable yes. What we know about this little, so this is a little, little town. It literally is. When we talk about little town of Bethlehem, it literally was a little. Today, it's not little town of Bethlehem. Actually, Bethlehem has actually made a bundle on this story. <laughs> it is a thriving place, right? Yeah, you won't say it anymore. But it's this little town, typical Jewish town, as I did some research about Bethlehem. Typical Jewish town, small probably um, uh, very communal, like everybody kind of knew everybody, right? And so just a typical religious-centered, Jewish-centered town, right? Typical Jewish town, herding, like think think economy, like herding, cattle, farming, those kind of, that kind of town. It's not, we talked about, if y'all were with us a few weeks ago, this is not Ephesus, a booming metropolis of trade. And this is a little town of very religious Jewish people, devout Jewish people, tight community in this little town. So let's read. Let's get to the story. Luke chapter 2. We're just going to read it. And in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. I'm reading from the CSB. This first registration to, took place while Kyrene yep, was governor of, of governing Syria. So everyone was registered to his own town. Joseph also went up from uh, the town of Nazareth in, the, in Galilee to, the, to, to Judea. Wow, I'm having trouble this morning. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family in the line of David. To be registered along with Mary, who was engaged uh, to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave, and she gave birth to her firstborn, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room of, available for them. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Yes, you heard that right. Guest room. I'm going I'm, to, unfortunately, as we do this story and with that, I want you to grab the picture. We're going to destroy some of the visuals that we've had in our culture. I'm sorry to do this, but I just want to make sure we see this properly. Yes, the word is, is the word is not in. The word is not in. That is, I don't know, well, anyway, there's a reason. But so, sorry about that, right? So it is better translated guest room, guest room. And so basically, is this, the, this place where they were, they were, um, I have so much to say about this, I'm, I'm going to not. If you talk to me afterwards, there's more. There's more to the story. But, um, but basically, this, it's an attached part of the house where the animals were kept, right? It's an attached part of the house, and, there were, and these homes would have, they would have guest rooms in the homes. So there was no guest room available for Mary and Joseph. Probably, it could be that this is family, yeah. his family, Joseph's family that he's staying with. And there's no guest room. That's just that's speculation, right? But it could be. But just think that, right? And there's this area of this house where the animals stay, and there was um, 
It was a, a manger. A manger is simply a feeding trough. That's all it is. It's just a feeding trough. I wish we would just translate it feeding trough. And you will find the babe wrapped in cloth, laying in a feeding trough. Cloth trough. Anyway, but picture this, right? And so it's interesting, the son of God lying in a feeding trough. Mary and Joseph are staying in town for the census, staying in where the animals stay. And not just, this is not the only night they're going to stay there. They're going to stay there for a while. They're living in this area, sleeping on the hay, sleeping with the animals, sleeping around that, right? And then Mary gives birth and gives this. And then outside the city, there's this group of guys, this nomadic or semi-nomadic, group of people known as shepherds. Now, shepherds, they basically, as we know, and like, think about the scripture, that God leads us, that he's our good shepherd, right? He leads us to green pastures. You know why he leads us to green pastures? Because the pastures that we had before are eaten up. So he leads us to newer pastures so that we can feed and be full. So these shepherds are nomadic. So they're going from field to field to field to here to from there. Like living out there in their little, you know, their little Coleman tents. Watching over their flock. Watching over their thing. Why are they watching over their flock? Because there's wolves. Because there's dangers. Because he doesn't want the little sheep wandering off. How many of you are glad God's a good shepherd? He's watching over their flock. How many of you are glad that God, while you sleep, protects you from the enemy? While those sheep are asleep, they're watching over their flock, just like God watches over us. So picture this, right? They're out in the field. They're outside. We'll get to there. And it was nighttime. What I want to say is these are normal dudes. These are not, nothing of noble. Actually, I heard somebody say that like this, they're, they're like, the, they're like the, the, the ditch diggers of the day, right? They're kind of the, those, those are, you probably go like those shepherds out there in the field, like the, they're like a different kind of guys. They're probably a little rugged. They're probably a little tough. I mean, if you're going to wash, push away wolves and all the things are going to attack the sheep, snakes and all that kind of stuff, they're tough dudes, but they're just dudes. I mean, hmm. this is where the story gets really interesting. It says this, starting in verse 8, picking up the story. It says, in the same region, region, the shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch uh, at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round around them, and they were terrified. <laughs> terrified, people. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be to all people. 
for today in the city of David, a savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tight in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on and peace on earth to people he favors. So we just stop right there. There's just these dudes hanging out at night, watching over their sheep. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. An angel shows up. Um, this, this actually, this, um, I know they always, people say this, they want to know, like, what, what scene do you want to like, rewind and watch in heaven? It, for me, it's this one. This is the story I want to see. I want to talk to those shepherds. Because if I'm out there, if I'm out there just, and all of a sudden, it says that one angel shows up. Can you, like, so, um, I'm going to pick on my son for a second. My son, like, if he watches movies, he hates jump scares. He hates jump scares. Like, you know those things where, like, everything's going around, all of a sudden, boom, like, and then he goes, ah, like, he, he hates those things. I hate jump scares. <laughs> so, but this is the ultimate jump scare. <laughs> Literally the ultimate jump, jump scare. They're just doing their thing. And an angel pops up. And the first thing that they say about the angel is they're terrified. They're terrified. You know what the word terrified means in, in the Greek? Terrified. <laughs> Scared. It means scared. One shows with all of his angelic glory. And this, then, then he gives them this amazing um, announcement. And then, then not just one angel, but then all of a sudden a multitude. How many is a multitude? If you say it's three, would it be a multitude? Would you say four is a multitude? No. What about the people in here? Would you say this is a multitude? Eh, maybe. Close. Hundreds. All of a sudden, one angel shows up and they're terrified. Now the whole sky is filled with all of these angelic, and not the, not the, This is not like, what do you call it? What's that, the big eyes? I can't look. The, the, what do you know? It, it's not Cupid's. It's not little precious moment dolls, right? These are unhuman creatures show up all around. These shepherds are going and terrified and freaking out and all the other things. And they're singing to the top of their lungs, these angels are, because the angels just have just, they're like, we have been waiting for this moment because there was a moment where God in the flesh, God, the son, all of a sudden was there, now he's in Mary's belly. And now he's born. Now you guys can go see him. This is amazing. This is the announcement of announcements. And it happened to just ordinary dudes. 
So these guys, they're probably, they're probably Jewish, right? They probably, went to, they probably saw the Messiah on flannel grass and stuff in Sunday school when they were a kid. But now he's born today. So probably something in those shepherds, when they heard the word Messiah, were like, we know him. We, we know him. It's interesting that the angels didn't tell him to go to go. It's interesting. They just went. They just went. Well, let's go see this thing. So there's a baby. Now, now think about this. How strategic of God to put a newborn baby in a manger. Because those shepherds are going to go have to find, like there wasn't GPS. Like they didn't give them a GPS coordinates. They looked at their cell phone and go, this is where we go, down this street and to the left. No, they're looking for, they're looking for a baby in a manger. Nope. Like, well, yeah, you got to work for that. So they find the baby in a manger. I said, well, let's switch it a minute. Now let's go back to Mary and Joseph. Let's go back. So all of a sudden, scene change. Mary and Joseph in this little area where animals are, just had a baby. Leave it at that. There's a baby in the feeding trough because that's all they got. And they just put Jesus in there. Can you imagine the thoughts that are racing around? You parents, you remember when your kids were born? I remember when Rachel was born, and I held Rachel in my arms. And I looked down, and I went, holy smokes, I'm taking this baby home. (laughs) The weight of responsibility. How many of y'all remember that? You're firstborn. The weight of that responsibility hits you. And you're like, and you ask all these questions. Do I have what it takes to, am I going to be okay with, you know? I I remember being in the hospital, and they go, all right, right, you can now go home. We're like, can we just stay in here like in like a week? Because you guys are great. (laughs) Can you imagine Mary and Joseph in that the weight of the responsibility. Remember, Joseph hasn't had another word from the Lord that was recorded since the dream. He's still walking this thing out by faith. And will continue to walk out by faith. I thought about this. Even when that baby grows up a little bit older and he goes, hey, that doesn't look like me. <laughs> Interesting. I said, you got to think about Y'all to think about these things? I think about these things. So they're sitting there going, what is, what, what, here here we are, Joseph. It's happened. Now what? How do you raise God from a baby? Then all of a sudden, hey, I hear a baby. These shepherds walk up. They look in the Here it is. Guys, let me tell you what just happened. These shepherds walk in. You will not believe what we just saw. We were just over there in the hills, 
and we were just minding our own business. And all of a sudden, these angels show up. This angel shows up, and he says this about the Messiah who is being born here today. And then, all after that, then all of these other angels, so many we couldn't even count them, show up. And they wanted, to, they said, they said, he's going to be in Bethlehem in a manger. We found him. It's this baby. What do you think the response of Mary and Joseph was? All of, yes, that's the word, isn't it? Validation. I didn't have that word. That is the word. It's validation. All of those promises, all of those things that we've been hanging on by faith about. God shows up to these shepherds. They show up. And you know what they did? You know what the shepherds bring? You know what their gift to the story is? Their presence. Their presence. Not the presence. That's next week. No spoilers, right? But they brought their presence. The fact that they were there. The fact that not only were they there, but they brought the confidence of what they just saw. They brought who they were and what they just saw and the word that God gave them, they brought and gave it to the people around them. Actually, I mean, this is going to mess you up a little bit more for your whole story. But actually, if you go back and you read the story, um, he says, oh, no, I haven't read the story. Oh, let's read the story. Okay, Luke chapter 2. I got to finish the story. Luke chapter 2 and verse 15. And when the angels left him, remember, we're back now, scene change back in the fields. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. Hey, that's the Messiah. That's the Messiah. There ain't no other baby in a manger in all of Bethlehem. That's the one. That's strategic planning by God. And all who heard it were amazed. Wait a minute, wait, wait. How many people? I thought it was just Mary and Joseph. So there's other people there? I'm messing up your whole manger. All, the, all that heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart. <laughs> I just wanted, let me just, I know this is a holy scripture, but of course she is. And meditating on them. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Isn't that amazing? So the shepherds show up, and when they show up, they are full of encouragement. They are. Can you imagine the, the attitude of that room? Can you imagine? Okay so, okay, so we're okay. There's more than just Mary and Joseph there, okay? Possibly a midwife, we're just saying. Possibly maybe some family that's around, possibly. I know I'm messing up your whole world. But he says all who are around, that's not just Mary and Joseph. That's all. Okay, did I lose you? I feel like I just lost you. All right, so, so just hang with me. So he's telling everybody, can you imagine? Now think about this. Picture it. The shepherds show up in that place 
start telling about what's going on, what's going to happen right after that? Questions? Comments? And then what happened? What did they look like? like how, they, how many of them there were? I don't know. There were a multitude. Like how, how many, um, uh, uh, what were they, what did they say again? What did they say? Did they say Messiah? Did they say the word Messiah? Can you imagine the conversation and the excitement and these shepherds going, yeah, yeah, oh, yes, it was there. Can you imagine the encouragement that was brought to that little place? The shepherds brought their encouraging presence. You know, being present for people is so underrated. It's so underrated. Being present. When you show up for others, it's huge. When you show up for others, when we get outside of our own little bubble of our own little world and get out and be there for other people, it's a big deal. It's a bigger deal than you would even know. I remember um, different times of difficulties in my own life. And um, I remember being, um, we had this uh, young man who passed away in our youth group years ago back at the other church. And I remember just people being, no, no words, there's no words, but just people being around at that moment. Nobody has answers, but just people coming together and being with other people in a moment of difficulty. It's huge. Your presence around people is a big deal. And sometimes we feel like we have to have all the answers and have to all know all the thing. Well, if they come to me and they tell me all their problems, then I need to like immediately just spit out some wisdom about what I think they should do. No, that's not always what people want. Mainly they want you to listen to them. Um, I'll tell this story. I was at an um, outreach one time, and we were talking, and um, there was this, there was this um, boy, and um, and this boy had hit this other smaller kid like in the face with his backpack. And these people were angry. Boy, they were angry. They, at least the other friends of this little boy were angry, and so they were chasing this little boy all around the whole place where we were at. And um, and then the one of the people that were chasing him said this, he goes, well, you know what, his, um, his, uh, his mom, his dad was in jail, and his mom was in rehab because the dad had beat his mom. And so now he's living with his cousins. And I went, ding. There's the reason. So I remember, he didn't even, like, this this young boy didn't want to even come to me and I called, called him and, you know, he was out in the, and he finally, I just got with him. Finally, he was able to come up to me and I go, come here. So I pulled him over to the side and all I said was this, like, are you okay? He said, no. And then he began to tell me, I said, what's going on? I knew what was going on. He said, tell me what's going on. I go, I hear you. I go, you miss your mom? He goes, I miss my mom. He goes, I don't want to stay with the people I'm staying with. But the young boy. Like, instead of, well, you shouldn't hit that little kid in the face. We'll get, we'll get to that. I said, what's your, 
you know, what's the, what's the, what's, you know, it goes, I said, and then like, oh, by the way, you have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's in us, helps us in those moments. I said, you're mad at your dad? He goes, I hate my dad. I go, I understand. And you just sat there, just sat there and let him cry. Pulled him over, prayed with him. Man, I'm really sorry, but you're going to be okay. God's got you. Do you believe God's got you? Let's pray. Let's pray for your mom. So we did. Me and him got together and we prayed for his mom. We prayed that she would get off her drugs and get off of her. But just being there, being there for somebody. Not even, I don't, I don't need to tell him. I did tell him, I go, if you hit somebody in the face, you need to go apologize to them. Right? That's what you got to do. You just got to do that. You can't let the anger that's in you come out of you. So, but just being there for him. You know what happened after that? He was like, did the situation change? Nope. But he was able to go and be with the rest of the group again and like play and laughing and joking and stuff like that. Just for just a moment of presence ministry. Just being there for somebody. Being there for somebody. Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, it says this. says, the second commandment is like this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love. Sometimes just showing up for people is just power, powerful enough. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, this is one of the most famous things that Jesus said. Verse 12 says, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. The importance that the Bible teaches of you showing up for other people and you being there for other people in the midst of your own difficulty, in the midst of other things, is powerful. So, you know, we, our church, we, we value relationships and friendships. And honestly, church, I'll, and you'll get tired of me saying this. I'm just going to say it until we just, because it's vision. For our church, like the, the ministry doesn't come from here. Well, hopefully some of it comes from here. The ministry doesn't come from here only. The ministry comes in the, in the seats and in the phone calls during the week because we're a body of Christ. Being there, that, that's why like when we say, when we say, hey, you should come to church, it's not just for you. That's like um, consumer Christianity. No, we're not called to be consumer Christianity. We call, we're called to come to church because just showing up helps me. It's an encouragement for others. Just coming together matters. And let me just switch this up just a little bit. Because not only does showing up matter, but I want to give you a little bit of more of a vision of what God's intended when we show up for one another. Because not only just being there helps, is that you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside you. You have God himself living within you. He has given you amazing gifts of the Spirit that you can operate in to bring help and encouragement and 
Spirit-led encouragement. Being there for somebody. You have the power of the... Do you under... Um, I want us to change our mindset, and I'm going to say this, but like when, when I show up, the power of God shows up with me. And you're like, that's arrogant. No, that's Bible. That's Bible. That when I show up, I don't have to work it up. The power of God is already inside me. That when I, when I show up, the atmosphere of the room changes. Not because of me, because the greater one lives within me. And that just your presence can be strength to somebody. You haven't even said a word. You can bring strength to people. Is it always going to change the situation? Not always. But just you being there. Just the power of God within you being there changes the atmosphere. Changes it so that when you go, you're going to be all right. It's not just, hope so. No, there's a confidence within you. That you go, I know what God's done for me. And if God's done, if God was with me in all the difficulties that I've ever faced, God will be with you. Because it's in me, within me. Paul says like that, I know in whom I believed. I know. I know. And you can walk with that confidence everywhere you go. So the question is this. What are you carrying with you? What presence are you carrying with you? Now, I know there's times for all of us that we all need encouragement. But are you the encourager when you walk in? Or are you the Job's friends? Well, you know what? You probably, it's your fault. Well, it's probably you that's happened. If you should have done this, and if you would have done this, and this wouldn't have happened, you're the one that got yourself into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for your presence. Now leave. <laughs> Am I making sense? You carry the glory of God within you, but you choose how you walk and how you live, how you encourage. There have been times when I'm going through difficult stuff in my own world. You're like, pass everybody. But you know what? When somebody else is hurting, I know. I can be a blessing everywhere I go, to whomever I go. I can be there for somebody if somebody needs me. Amen? We are called as a church. I wish I could come to all of you guys' house, and my wife knows I would. Every day, every week, I just show up. Go, well, let me just tell you some good news. Let me just tell you some encouragement today. Let me just build you up, and let me just encourage you. Let me just, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Let me, let me, let me. But you know what? God hadn't called me to that. Yo, pastor. You know what? Remember, remember the... The wording, I'm way off topic, but remember the wording that when you're gifted, pastor, prophet, teacher, event, whatever they are, my job is to help others, teach others to do the work of the ministry. What we've said in our country is the pastor does all the work in the ministry. The man of God does all the work in the ministry. That is not true. That is not Bible. That is man's just wanting to be the glory show all of himself. That God has called us and you to help others be the power, understand who is on the inside of you. 
the power of God living in, in you. I don't, you don't need to be timid when you walk up to somebody and you're on your workplace who doesn't believe like you do, or you don't, you don't have to be timid. Timid. The Holy Spirit lives within you. Timid? Let's all stand together. I got to quit. I want to make you mad, encouraged, built up today, all the same. Mess up your whole world. God is within you. Church, do we believe that? We're like, oh, you don't know what I did last. He's still within you. And the closer you get to him, the more you know it. Hear me. The more, the closer you get to him, the more you draw near to him. The reality of that understanding grows within you. You can do things afraid because you know the greater one lives within you. When God calls you to do something, you're like, I don't know. I don't know, pastor, if I can do that seminary stuff. The Holy Spirit's not big enough? The Holy Spirit can't speak to you? And so what if you don't understand it all? We're all growing. Sorry, am I getting my yelling? Oh, I, then I'm not done yet. Let me step on the gas a little bit harder. Because you're called to change this world. They said that about the apostles, have the people who have turned this world upside down now come here? Because of the presence that they brought. Because the anointing that they brought. Because they were special? No, because they were Christians. They were unlearned men. That's right, they said they were unlearned men. How are they speaking out? And know those, those, you know those apostles were going, it's got to be the Holy Ghost because I ain't that smart. Can you imagine Peter sitting down after that message going, that wasn't me. All these people got saved, that wasn't me. Amen? Close your eyes right where you're at. In Jesus' name, I break every power of the enemy that lies to the people of God in Jesus' name. That I can't, I break that in Jesus' name. I'm not good enough, I break that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I don't do it like other, I don't do my walk like Jesus like everybody. Come on. The Holy Spirit knows who he's inside of. Because you're going to reach people other people can't reach. Hallelujah. Just pray this, say, Holy Spirit, Help me in my unbelief. Help me renew my mind that I would know the hope of the calling that's within me. And I say this, say it's not for other people. It's for me. It's for me. Say, I have all that I need by the power of the Spirit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Love you.